The purpose of Wealth Talk is to educate, inform, and hopefully entertain you on the subject of building your wealth. Wealth Builders recommends you should always take independent financial, tax, or legal advice before making any decisions around your finances. Welcome to episode 81 of Wealth Talk. My name's Christian Rodwell, the Membership Director for Wealth Builders, and I'm joined today by our founder, Mr. Kevin Whelan. Hi, Kevin. Hello, Chris. Good to be with you on this episode where I think we're zeroing in a little more on property again. We are. So within the property pillar today and um, within our roadmap, which of course we share with our members in our 7 Steps to Wealth program, this is actually step six, which is all about strategy. And today we're talking about supported living. And we have Lisa Brown as our guest today. And with the year it's been, Kevin, we talk about thinking like an entrepreneur, but certainly for property investors, it's been challenging this year and people have had to adapt to different conditions. We've seen student lets, obviously, very different this year to what they normally are. People moving out of cities and lots of redundancies. So property investors, in some cases, are, are now thinking about different strategies and obviously, you know, what else is out there. And supported living is one that's certainly been on the radar for, for a little while now, Kevin. Yes, and uh, I think the other thing to mention is um, in certain areas, you know, the service accommodation has had a bit of a, a knock as well, hasn't it? Because people were, I suppose, traveling less, and particularly at the beginning of our troubles. Uh, depending on the area, though, that, that can pick up. So it shows that you need to be very flexible. And like all pillars, there are pros and cons, and uh, this is no exception. But supported living, interesting, though, because it's really a combination of two things, Chris, as uh, Lisa will ably explain, so I won't steal her thunder, but it's a, com- it's, a, it's a combination of, number one, solving a property problem. Remember, entrepreneurs find solutions to problems. And second is finding a care solution, because many people in the world uh, need some form of care, but in order to receive that care, they need to have accommodation as well. And this is a very elegant solution to how you can do that and create a very, very rewarding outcome for society, for one, for the individual, uh, because they, you know, they become more skilled, they become better entrepreneurs. And, and of course, as I'll debrief later, Chris, uh, fundamentally, you know, a, a very, very robust business model to create long-term recurring income with often uh, minimal cost. So before we head over to Lisa, last week on the podcast, Kevin, you gave that rally call for, for everyone listening to, to <laughs> take a minute or two and, and leave us a review if they haven't done so already. And, and people have. So um, I think it's only fair that we give a shout out to, uh, to, to William Roy uh, in particular. So William's been one of our founder members, actually, since we uh, you know, launched the program last year. And, and William has left a review for us on, on Google and uh, William says, I met Kevin around two and a half years ago when he gave a talk about SaaS. Given my personal circumstances, a SaaS seemed like a great idea. However, I had a lot going on in my life and wasn't ready to commit. Despite this, Kevin took the time to explain the possibilities and give me all of the information I needed without once pressuring me to take the next step. Once I was ready, he, along with his team, guided me in setting everything up and getting my SaaS up and running. Following on from that, I decided to join the Wealth Builders community and goes on to say the amount of knowledge and education and support, you know, has really given him the impetus to start his wealth building journey. So um, 
thank you so much, William, for that review. Well, that's 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 nice to hear. It's it's nice to hear on a number of fronts. You know, one is there's always a point of contact. There's always a reason for someone to connect with us, and it could be transactional. It could be simple. It could be, you know, he is a business coach, actually, so there's an overlap with businesses, and I was talking to his community about the director's pension or SAS and, and how that can be a fantastic benefit to both the business and the individual, and, and in fact, it was a long-term legacy as well, um, and that resonated with him. But what was very pleasing with with Will is not just that he embraced that particular aspect, but then kind of got to know us a bit more and, and wants to be part and is part, in fact, now of our Wealth Builder community and uh, very much looking forward to a continued dialogue with him. And, and I can report great progress uh, for Will without breaching any confidences. He's doing outstandingly well. And, and I can see that wealth thermometer, you know, that measuring your recurring income each month is rising as we speak. So congratulations to Will and thank you very much for taking the time with a busy life, Will, to uh, to do a review, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, great member of the Wealth Builds community. And, and let's have a listen now to the conversation with Lisa and find out all about the Supported Living Gateway. Lisa, welcome to Wealth Talk. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Lisa, looking forward to today's conversation because we're going to be talking about Supported Living, and it's an area that's really gained a lot of interest within the Wealth Builders community. I've seen many, many posts over the last six to 12 months from our members. So looking forward to finding out exactly what supported living is. So perhaps why don't we kick off there for anyone who's listening and doesn't fully understand what that term covers? Yeah, it's quite complicated. It's, it's simply um, a living arrangement for a tenant who has support needs, really. Um, so, so it encompasses a whole ro- load of different needs and they can be long and enduring kind of lifetime needs, you know, like someone with learning disabilities, long term mental health conditions, autism, physical disabilities. Or there can be quite short term support needs where someone may need a level of support for maybe a few months or a few years. Um, and so they kind of fall into those categories. But yeah, it's simply just a living arrangement for someone who has um, a level of support that they require. Mm. And, and and did this perhaps have a different name? Was it referred to as something differently in the past? Because it feels like supported livings, you know, it's, it's really come to the forefront recently. It has. I think in the past, we used to put people um, with particularly like long term conditions like learning disabilities and mental health. They were kind of placed into institutional care. So people were put into, you know, you go right back to sort of Victorian and pre-Victorian times. There were big institutions where people were placed and locked up and put away. And there was very much a move about bringing people out of those institutions and making them part of the community. And by doing that, bringing them into the community where their families are, where they should be as part of the community, they actually need somewhere to live. So they need a a house or a home of their own that they can be part of. And with supported living, it's a little bit different in that their um, their tenancy arrangement and their care arrangement are separate. So if you think about a residential care setting, you, your care and your tenancy are intertwined, aren't they? You can't um, move into a care home, but then say you want your care provided by somebody else. Whereas in a supported living setting, it gives you more flexibility if you've got long term support needs because you can stay in your home and your care can be provided by someone. But actually, if if that care isn't meeting your needs anymore after a few years, you could change that care provider and still stay in your own home. Yeah. And we're going to find out all about Supported Living Gateway today, Lisa. But tell us how you got into this this area yourself. 
So, so my background's in nursing. I um, worked in busy East London A&E departments, worked my way up to senior sister roles and then did some community nursing work. And we relocated down to Devon and I decided I would follow my other passion, which is property. I've always really enjoyed property, set up a company called Pebble Properties and developed a couple of heritage flats. And I really enjoyed that. And I thought this was me. I was going to do beautiful old buildings because that's what I really loved. And then a chance encounter um, led me to discover supported living. Um, I was asked to um, refurbish a pebble dash ugly bungalow for, it's a a great building, but it's to complete contrast to what I thought I would be doing, um, for a young man with really complex and challenging learning disabilities. And I love the process of doing that. I love the process of kind of using my nurse brain. I wasn't phased about being in care team meetings, discussing his needs and working out how to make this property best suit him. But I encountered loads of challenges in doing that first property. I found um, I had lots of problems with getting it refinanced, with getting the right mortgage on it. Every every. Um, point I kind of came across a hurdle and there was nowhere for me to go with that I found I got really kind of stuck if you're looking at other property strategies there's lots of information out there isn't there's a Facebook group for HMOs or if you're doing serviced accommodation there's a course or a book and there was nothing about supported living that I could find so I decided to set up a Facebook group just to try and connect with other people who were doing this Um, and the Facebook group has, I kind of like, I jokingly said, I expected someone to say, oh, Lisa, there's this group over here. Have you not found it yet? And our group's now at 2,300 members of property people who are really interested in supported living. So it kind of all, yeah, it all came about that way, really. Right. And obviously now you're a member of the Supported Living Gateway. So tell us a little bit, bit more about what that is. Well, I I suppose the evolution of that from my point of view was from that Facebook group, I was being approached by as I started talking more and more about my experiences of supported living and how great I thought it was as an investment strategy, but also the, the challenges with it. I was being approached by a lot of property people saying, how do I get into this? I love the idea of it. It's great. You know, it's the ultimate win win. It's good business sense. And I can help someone and create a home for someone who may, may struggle to, to um, find a home. But they were, a lot of the property people were struggling to connect with the people who needed property. And on the other hand, I was being approached more and more by providers asking me to create properties for them. People who, really heartbreaking stories, you know, um, people stuck in hospital who would have been discharged 12 months ago but couldn't actually leave the hospital because there was nowhere appropriate for them to move to. Or people stuck in unsafe, unsuitable accommodation who couldn't move, who, who no one could find the right home for them and the care providers were saying I'm spending all day on the phone I'm on right move I'm speaking to letting agents they their tenant their landlords don't understand supported living they don't want to let to us and it felt like there needed to be a way to bring these two groups together so I got together with a group of other people who all have been working in supported living in all different ways and have a really diverse background but we're all property investors and developers So there's um, Rich Liddell, who runs Blue Oak and has been his backgrounds in the military, but he's been a long term property investor and developer. There's Russ Crabtree, whose background is in construction and project management and has done quite a few supported living schemes. There's Mark Bowen and Leah Bowen. Both their backgrounds are in the city, but they're property investors and developers. So kind of between the five of us, we've got this really diverse skill set. And we kind of got together and talked about supported living and what what we felt needed to happen was a way to make it easier for people to connect, 
to create more homes for vulnerable people. Essentially, that's what we kind of say we're doing. So so the Supported Living Gateway kind of came out of those conversations and us all coming together. Yeah, that's great. And um, and how, how big is this sector? How much demand is there? You know, will there be a point where simply, you know, the, the need will be filled? Yeah, I, I don't see that at the moment. The conversations I'm having with the providers is that because I'm principally liaising with the providers and bringing them on board to the gateway, is that there's a massive demand. I have a huge want list all around the country. Um, and I think that demand is going to grow because I think the move away from residential care settings is still happening. You know, in our heads, um, institutions for people with long-term mental health learning disabilities have got long gone, you know, because we all think workhouses have shut. But actually, there's still an awful lot of institutional settings and people being placed maybe the other end of the country away from their family and friends because there's not a suitable accommodation for them near home. So I feel like there is still massive, massive demand for properties. And there's also, you know, like I said, that's the long term conditions. But when you're talking about people who've been street homeless, people who are fleeing domestic abuse, um, teenagers leaving the care system, you know, there's a whole range of different needs um, that where people need accommodation with some support. Mm. So for anyone listening now, Lisa, who perhaps has just been doing standard, you know, buy to let for, you know, for a number of years, and perhaps they're, they're interested in, in making the transition over, what are some of the things they need to consider? Um, you know, how different is it to, to just letting to, to, you know, a standard AST? Um, I think the things to think about, um, the challenges are finance, you know, so you need to, if you have a standard buy to let product on your, you know, mortgage product on your property, that might not be compliant with supported living. So, you know, you do need to discuss it with your lender um, and have a conversation with them about it. I think that's one of the challenges and makes it a little bit different. And finding the connections, finding um, who needs your property. You might have the perfect property, but how do you actually connect with those providers? And that's what we're hoping to do through the gateway is allow, make it easier for people. It can seem quite complicated and quite daunting, I think, to start with, to try and understand all the layers and complexity in supported living. And so again, through the gateway, what we've tried to do is we've got our members can access a training package, which is just on on the portal. And then we have a a more in-depth training for people who really want to have a deep dive and really sort of understand supported living a bit more, because we found that people really did have that desire to, to learn more about it. Mm. And what kind of adaptations uh, might need to happen in terms of the properties to to be suitable? It really varies on the tenant group. So if you're looking at um, tenants who have low level, who have support needs, but maybe not physical support needs. So if you're thinking about teenagers leaving the care system or people who've been street homeless, you may need to do absolutely no adaptation to your property whatsoever. You know, your standard HMO, your standard shared house, your standard one bed flat may actually be fine without any adaptation. Whereas the other end of the spectrum is people who have very complex support needs, who might need, like the young man that I did the first property for, might need a completely adapted property. So there's there's a whole range. And I think people get a bit daunted thinking they would have to do really high level of adaptation. But I would say the majority of property that's required doesn't need to be adapted or maybe need small tweaks like an extra fire door or an extra smoke alarm or an extra a different kind of lock on a door, you know, fairly simple things. When you look at that in the context of the benefits of supported living, where you may have 
a lease taken on your property for anything from two to 10 to 20 years. And in that time, you're not responsible for any of the voids, any of the damages, any of those sort of landlord headaches, you know, and often the lease will cover things like your gas boiler servicing, your fire alarm servicing. So actually, it becomes a really, really good passive long term strategy supported living. Once it's set up, it does take a little bit longer to get set up. But once the scheme's set up and established, actually, you can really step back from it most of the time and, and not worry about your property. Mm. And and does the fact that you get those long guaranteed rents mean that the rental is often lower or, or how does that no. compare? Yeah, not necessarily. So I'd say the rent kind of broadly falls into three categories. Sometimes you're offered LHA rates. And I would say don't automatically discount discount those because actually if you look at those in that bigger picture of actually the no voids, the no letting agents fees, the management costs, actually that can pretty soon add up to being similar to market rent when you've taken off your other costs. The majority of the providers we're talking to are offering market rent for their properties really. So they're they're generally looking at offering you about what you would get on the open market for a property. And then obviously, like I said, you've not got your letting agent fees, you've not got your void. So pretty quickly, that adds up to being quite an attractive offering. And then sometimes you do get above market rent for properties as well. But I think the majority of the above market rent rates will have to reflect quite a high level of adaptation to the property. They have to be kind of justified why you require that above market rent. You know, it might be that that tenant can't just move out of your property into another two-bed property anywhere else. It needs that level of adaptation to, to meet their needs. Mm. And and with 2020 being the year that it's been, Lisa, how, how have you seen things change or evolve this year with the, the demand? I think people have been really interested in supported living. I think from a, from a provider point of view, the demand has been the same. I think the only stumbling block has been that some of the commissioners and the local authorities who would maybe commission some of the bigger schemes looking a little bit more inward and a bit more COVID focused rather than thinking about actually what do we need as our long-term strategy for, you know, do we need a block of 10 flats here? So I think that has affected things a little bit. But I think on the other side, the demand has continued the same, particularly for the smaller schemes. And that's only been a few areas we've found that. I think a lot of property investors have been looking at this far more than they maybe would have done previously because suddenly your student lets are a little bit more uncertain aren't they your serviced accommodation perhaps has got more voids obviously depending where it is in the country and yours you know your shiny professionals are maybe not paying the rent in the way that they would have been because their jobs aren't so secure so I think it's made supported living and other social housing a bit more attractive to people really because I think they're thinking actually there is some, you know, they can see that actually financially it's maybe a bit more secure as well. Yeah. So again, for for our listeners right now, Lisa, who would you say, you know, really should be thinking about this? Who's the kind of perfect candidate? So in my head, I think every property investor should be looking at supported living. I think it's a really good way to diversify your property portfolio. Um, And I think it's something that that's through the gateway, through the supported living gateway, we're trying to make it accessible to everybody. So In the past, you had to have a really high level of specialist knowledge to get into this space, or you had to have very good connections, or you had to be one of the big players. There's lots of big developers who specialise in supported living, and they're throwing a lot of money at it. Lots of pension schemes, lots of big investment funds see it as very secure income. So 
our argument at the gateway is if it's good enough for those big players who are throwing millions of pounds at it, it's a good secure investment for everyone to be thinking about. And obviously, it also fits in with SAS pensions as well. So supported living properties can, with a supported living lease on it is a way to hold a residential property in your SAS. So that makes it very accessible for a lot of people with SAS pensions too. Yeah. And, and would care homes on the kind of bigger scale of things, they would obviously fall under this as well? Not really, because care homes, if you think of what I said about the sort of tenancy in the um, care being separate in supported living and being a more residential property, care homes tend to be, they are what everyone perceives supported living to be, but care homes tend to be um, residential care settings. So they're slightly different way of investing. They're different property um, models. Saying that quite a lot of the resident old care homes are coming to us to be converted into flats. And there's a lot of demand for small blocks of flats. So so they do kind of come, but not in that traditional image of them. Okay. So tell us a bit more about the Supported Living Gateway. And if someone listening wants to kind of connect with you, Lisa, and find out more, how does that work? So the best place to find out more is to go to www.supportedlivinggateway.com. That's all one word. Um, and you can as a go on there as a property investor and you can just register um, and access some of the resources that are there and, and find out a bit more about what we do. The gateway basically is a way as a property investor for you to upload your property and get it seen by hundreds of care providers all around the country who are looking for properties. So it's the easiest way for you to connect with different providers who are looking for property. You, so you have that you can upload as many properties as you own or control. So if you have a lease option or a rent to rent agreement on the properties, you also through that can access some of our, um, our, like I said, some of the training that's part of it. And again, as part of our kind of vision was to make it easier for people to get involved in supported living. So we've got access to specialist affiliates like mortgage brokers, like insurance brokers, architects, people who really understand supported living and as part of that membership, you get discounts on their services. So it kind of is just a way to bring everything to do with supported living into one space. So it's kind of like a one-stop shop. If you're interested in supported living, it's a great place to start. Yeah, no, great community, great team that you have there, Lisa. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing today. It's been really interesting and great speaking with you. Great. Thank you, Christian. So Lisa obviously talked there, Kevin, about her background, which was with within nursing and care and it led to her looking around and obviously realizing that there wasn't anyone else within the the kind of residential sector providing this supported living and um that's often the way things come isn't it you you identify that gap in the market and you find a niche and then you really hone in on that well what's interesting to me about lisa's description of what she's done and i ask people as they listen to the stories of our guests, it's not just to listen to what they say, but to think about the wider wealth building lessons. And you make a good one there, Chris, which is everybody starts with a mountain of value they've created already, but sometimes that's overlooked or undervalued. And we know this is true in wealth building, right? Um, and she had some skill, but then she thought, well, ooh, you know, and she undervalued it, right? At the beginning, because she looked around and thought, well, there's nobody else doing it. I might as well do it. You know, there's no looking around, there's nobody. So she created her own group and so on. And now she's gone on and a well-respected expert in this field. And you would say then, you know, she's discovered a value. She's she's really focused on the outcome. 
she's found a solution to a problem, uh, both from a, the the kind of local authority point of view, the tenant point of view, and also the property expert point of view, because she's serving the wider property community as well, helping people find a bridge between the two areas, you know, the the accommodation piece and the care piece, as she very ably describes what service to, not service accommodation, what supported living is. And um, the other thing then that she's gone on to do is uh, using that IP is she's formed joint venture, right? So she formed a joint venture with a fellow protagonists and she mentioned their names in, in that, all with different wealth dynamics, which is very useful. And then they've gone on to create a business where the very business is the teaching as well as running the business of providing this supported living itself. So I think a very elegant solution, finding multiple layers of wealth building outcome, but coming from a place fundamentally of integrity and not from self-serving, but rather from serving others. And and I think this probably you know really, really well describes how uh, wealth builders can elegantly find solutions to multiple problems all at the same time, Christian. She's just done a great job. Mm. And also... All of that sat upon the same three pillars that we talk about all the time, education, support, connection. And, you know, that's exactly what Supported Living Gateway is doing. It's providing education from their platform. They're providing the support and the connections as well. So, but very within that single niche, which, you know, is obviously always fundamental uh, for, for any business. Well, it's fundamental. So if, we, if you take a lesson from the business pillar, Chris, the kind of three things that I say always worthwhile thinking about if you're in business. Remember, being in business doesn't necessarily mean you've got a business enterprise because, you know, look at those three things. So the three things that I suggest people, almost like a three-pin plug, you know, you need the power of these three if you're going to have a robust business. Number one is a niche um, and her ability to find this niche and, and, and make this niche bigger, stronger, better and become a leading light in it. That's a that's a good result. Second is to create recurring income. Well, we'll come on to the two forms of recurring income that this has developed in a second. And and the third is is really to have a business that can work without you. And again, that's done. So let's let's take the two sources of recurring income here, which are fundamental to wealth building, right? So the income that's coming from her activities as a owner of property which provides the supported living uh, outcome is very similar uh, to the values in commercial property. So in commercial property, which obviously is having its own trials and tribs right now, but but let's say we take the simplistic side of a commercial property. If you're an owner of an office and you rent that office on a long-term lease to a tenant, that's called a covenant. Now in that covenant, the strength of that covenant depends on who the tenant is or who's paying the bill, right? So good quality tenant. So who are the quality tenants who are paying the bills here? Well, often they're paid by local authorities and organizations, you know, who've got uh, public funding. And then secondly, you've got the the whole kind of principle of that somebody else, i.e. that authority, that government body, let's say, or another body, is paying for uh, upkeep. They're paying for uh, maintenance. You know, all of those things that normally would be associated that a private landlord would be paying for themselves. Then, so with the reduction in the cost 
And because they take long-term leases, which means there's no voids, you don't then have to build a void rate, uh, you know, the number of rooms or the number of days you're not uh, occupied. You know, like any property business, there's a void rate. So if you can minimize the void rate, maximize the support that's being provided by the someone who's taking over the property for you, essentially, then you minimize your cost. And then you're getting a, a market rent, or in some cases, if you provide very niche solution, you know, uh, where you need extra special care and attention, then you can get above market rent. So, you know, the combination of even at market rent with less cost and better longevity, wow, I mean, that's a great outcome, don't you think? I mean, the other one, of course, is she's created a business by selling essentially a membership program to people who do property who want to learn this, right? So in your ESC, your education, support and connection, you know, they're providing a service to others. So so that's a source of income. And I guess some of the other benefits um, were that you can actually hold supported living properties within your SaaS, Kevin. So how does that work? As far as um, pensions is concerned, we know pensions very unique, the word SaaS, very unique, a UK thing. Um, but the ownership of property um, is a complicated issue when you're holding property inside a pension. But because of the commercial nature of this, it's entirely possible that you can use your pension fund to buy or facilitate the ownership of um, supported living properties. So it just means you've got more money. And everybody, as I keep saying, in property, you know, almost always everybody anyway, run out of money before they run out of ambition. And bringing your pension into play just allows you to bring more money um, and you make your old frozen or forgotten pensions, which often are just a part of your past, and you turn them into something that builds your wealth for the future. And I think that's a very elegant solution. So in a very short podcast, Chris, there's an incredible number of lessons here if you really dive deep and look into them. And uh, I think you did a great job of pulling all of those out in the interview. So well done you, mate. Thank you. And uh, I just want to pick up on um, some of the other team. Obviously, uh, Lisa talked about Russ Crabtree, Mark and Leah Bowen, and Rich Liddell. And I believe Rich is speaking at the upcoming SAS property conference, Kevin. Yes, he is. Ex-military, uh, very solid guy and a developer in his own right. So at the uh, SAS Alliance conference, it's an online conference, of course, on the 12th of November. It's all day, nine till five. Obviously, you know, the recording is available Nobody's expected to be sat at a laptop for a whole day. However, it's a it's a conference which links the concept of the SAS pension, uh, which we speak a lot of in Wealth Builders because it's probably the sharpest tool in the toolbox um, to help people build their wealth because it brings money you know into play that they didn't think was in play. And um, so the SAS Alliance conference on 12th of November links the SAS issue and property. So it's very unique about property. It's not about any other assets. It's not about the stock market. It isn't about gold that we did last week. Um, it's just, you know, pensions and property and how the two can make better bedfellows than ordinarily most people would understand to be the case. So that's uh, free to attend. So, you know, no issue. We love people to get that education, Chris. So sasalliance.org with SAS, double S-A-S. So sasalliance.org. On the 12th of November, if you go to the website, register, you know, you'll be able to get in for free. Great stuff. And as always, I shall pop a link in today's show notes and I'll pop a link there 
to the Supported Living Gateway Facebook group, which is probably mm-hmm. a place to just go and connect and uh, get in touch with Lisa if you've enjoyed today's episode. Mm-hmm. And of course, as I'll say again, if you've enjoyed today's episode, tell somebody else or tell us. Go and post a review. I'm not just going to have that rally call to action now, Chris, once in a blue moon. I'm going to mention it every time we have a podcast because, you know, we do need that reassurance from people who say, hey, you're doing a good job, guys. Keep it up. Yeah, no, we really appreciate it. We love seeing the new reviews coming in every week. And um, yeah, one simple place, if uh, if you want to head to wealthbuilders.co.uk forward slash reviews, then you can take your pick of Trustpilot, Google, or Apple iTunes. So uh, we look forward to reading some more of those out next week. And until then, Kevin. Yeah, until then, Chris. I'll see ya. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget that we are constantly updating our resources inside the Wealth Builders membership site to help you create, build, and protect your wealth. Head over to wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership right now for free access. That's wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership.